Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Oh, come on now. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Come on, what a beautiful day to be together. I don't know about you, but um, actually, I just want to say you're welcome uh, for the weather. We've been praying for this, and um, how many of you guys are stoked about today? It's just so beautiful out, and man, what a gift from God to us. Um, We live in an amazing place, but I'm ready for winter to be over. How about you guys? Yeah, and so today we just uh, so glad to have you here with us. For those of you that are new to hanging out with us here at River Valley, we're just exactly what the screen said. We're a bunch of imperfect people who love Jesus, and we're learning how to do that more and more every day. And we just love being together. We believe that uh, church is not a place that you go, but the people that you are. And um, it's so good for us to get to be together today. Today is probably one of the the best days in the history of humanity. I say probably um, a little tongue-in-cheek, right? Without a doubt, it is the best day in history um, because all of the weight and the sin and all the things that we carry in our lives got relieved from our lives this day when Jesus got out of the grave. Can I get an amen? And maybe you're new to church. Maybe you're here hanging out with us and you're like, whoa, these people are a little bit intense. Like they're a little little bit over the edge. And here's what I want you to know. We are, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Here's the reality of it. Um, None of us who have found Jesus want to even think about where we would be without him. And so when we gather together like this and we're a little little bit noisy, we raise our hands, we cry a little bit sometimes, we get on our knees and worship him. and, And it's just simply because we are so grateful for what Jesus has done in our lives. And if you've not experienced that, my, my hope for you today is that in seeing the goodness of Jesus, you're willing to say, I need some of him in my life because I can tell you he's changed my life. And I'm so glad that we get to gather together like this and celebrate. For those of you that brought kids, I just want you to know they're having a ton of fun back there. Uh, we've got a great children's ministries team. They're back there playing games with them. They're here to the story of Jesus. There's a bounce house. I know all you adults want to go out and break an arm or a leg or something in that. And you can do that after service today. It'll be there. Uh, but our kids are having a blast today getting to celebrate uh, Resurrection Sunday together. Um, and they're having a little bit of fun playing games and all those kinds of things as well. So parents, if you're concerned about them, I promise you they're not even thinking about you right now. They're having so much fun. Uh, it really is awesome to just be together today. And today I just want to, we're, we're not going to get extravagant on this. Can I just tell you, if the story of Jesus coming out of the grave isn't good enough, if it isn't exciting enough, it is, if it isn't uh, um, thrilling enough, then there's probably nothing that's going to meet that need in your life. Can I just tell you right now? And so today we're just going to talk about just the beautiful story of what Jesus has done for us. And before we do that, I want to give you a few facts because these things are really important to us here living in America. Um, these, are, these are really important facts for you. Number one, um, that uh, we order up um, some in our lives. When we, when we think about Easter, most of us think about the chocolate that we get to enjoy and the candies that are around us and all those things. And, and here's a couple fun facts for you just as we dive into this. Nothing spiritual about this. It's okay. Like, we'll talk about the Bible here in a second. Um, but how many of you know that uh, there's more than 120 million pounds of candy purchased every year around Easter? I want you to think about that. 120 million pounds of candy. People, we've got a problem. 
I mean, they, they thought cocaine and heroin was bad. I'm just saying, 120 million pounds of sugar, we've got a problem. Here, here's a good one for you. Over 16 billion jelly beans are made for Easter every year. Billion, that's with a B. Billion jelly beans. And there's nothing in a jelly bean that is actually any quasi way good for you. In fact, I think it's kind of like gum. It just sits in you for like years after you ingest it. For all of you that have been eating jelly beans, you're welcome. Um, now, it's so, so fun for us to, to get to be together. And, you know, we, we, we celebrate around these holidays and they're fun. But how many of you know they have a little bit more deeper meaning to them? So we think about that, you know, we, we think about the world that we live in today, and I, I don't know about you, but it is not hard for me to find bad news. Any of you? Sometimes I just have to open my mailbox. Others of times I just have to open my phone and, or hang out with some people. Man, there's just bad news that surrounds us constantly. Would you agree with that? Not hard to find in our world, pretty, pretty, pretty easily accessible to us. If you watch any media, I'm sorry, but if you watch any media, that's typically what we're getting in the media cycles, right? It's just bad news. Might be financial state of our country. It might be what's going on in the world around us. It might be uh, another senseless shooting that has taken place or whatever's going on around us in our world. It's not hard for you and I to find bad news. And here's what I just want to encourage you in something today. This is what makes the message of Jesus so important. Because the gospel is good news to us. You can be in a world full of hurt and pain and brokenness, surrounded by it. But when we take a look into the gospel and what the good news of Jesus Christ is all about, it comes in and in, in a world that wants to get you looking at yourself or looking at the pain around you. It gets you looking up to something that provides an incredible amount of hope for us. And, but I want to remind you that the gospel message didn't start that way. I want you to think about it. The message of the gospel, what we're celebrating here to get together today, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that, that Easter morning, the first one, did not start out with good news at all, like in any way, shape, or form? In fact, if we really understand the, the context of the, the early the disciples and what was going on with them, Zach alluded to it this morning, it was not a day that they got up looking for the Easter bunny. Sorry, sorry to break that news to you. They weren't going on an Easter egg hunt. They weren't planning on, you know, Sunday lunch with their family. In fact, here's what they were doing. They were hiding. They were terrified because this Jesus that they had placed all this hope in and this man that they were following, they watched him do miracles and they watched him do all these incredible things. He was dead. Like dead, dead. Not like pretend dead. Like they watched him hang on a cross they watched them stab him in the side with a spear and blood and water came out and that was indicative of, of, of the body being dead. Like There was no question about his death. History tells us, it's not just Christian history, history in and of itself tells us that Jesus Christ died. Now, now here's the reality of dead. When you're dead, you're dead. In case you were wondering. I spent almost 20 years as a paramedic and, and did a lot of, of work, you know, obviously kind of all over the Treasure Valley, and then I was part of a flight team, and, and, and we went to a lot of scenes where people were dead. And when we would document that space, typically we would write some words like this, that they had injuries that were incompatible with life. 
And if they were to write about Jesus and what was going on with him, that's what we see recorded in history. He had injuries that were incompatible to life. His body was broken and torn. He had bled out in every way, shape, and form. Jesus was dead, and the disciples were not like, woohoo! They were scared to death. In fact, Scripture tells us that they were hiding and fleeing for their life. They thought people were coming after them to kill them because they had been the ones who had traded every part of their life to say that this guy, this guy, this Jesus, is the Messiah. He's the one. And now all of a sudden, he's dead. And so Easter morning for them was not this big party and celebration. Easter morning was actually really a a kind of scary moment for them. They were trying to figure out what they were going to do with their lives. Kind of like a lot of us. As we journey in this life, oftentimes we're trying to figure out, who am I going to be? What am I going to do? But here's the reality of what they were dealing with. They, they had put all their faith in this thing, and now all of a sudden it looked like it was dead and gone. He was in the grave. They watched him be put there. And so as they rose on this Sunday morning, as they were trying to figure out now what they were going to do with their lives, it was not a happy, joyous moment for them. It was not 65 degrees in Boise, Idaho, and spring is on it. That was not what they were experiencing. They were so brokenhearted and so hopeless, they had no idea what they were going to do with themselves. That brings us to this interesting passage of Scripture. I want you, if you have your Bibles with you, to turn to Mark chapter 16. And this is kind of the picture of what began to take place that morning. Mark Chapter 16, verse 2, oftentimes we stand, but today I'm just going to have you hang with me here in a moment as we, we read through Scripture. And it says this, Mark 16, verse 2, it says, Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. Now this is speaking of some ladies that were going. On the way there, they were asking each other, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? What does that indicate to you? They did not have the faith to believe what Jesus had told them that he was going to raise from the dead. That wasn't even on their radar. They weren't like, hey, it's Easter morning. Jesus is going to be raised from the dead. That's not where their mindset was. Their mindset was, we watched him die. We watched them put him in a tomb and seal that with a stone. Who's going to open that up for us so that we can take care of his body? That's what they were going to do. It goes on to say, but as they arrived, they look up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. How many of you know that might be a little startling? That's weird. Well, we were just thinking this on the way here, but look, somebody opened the tomb for us. Goes on to say, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. No kidding. How many of you guys might be in the same place? Yeah, they were shocked. But the angel said, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. Why did they say including Peter? Because Peter denied Jesus. For those of you who want to hear that story, come back next week. We're going to have a good conversation around it including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee, 
you will see him there just as he told you before he died. Zach said it earlier. Remember? Remember? He said he was going to do this. And can I tell you, this is when Easter morning started kicking off. Something was different in this moment. Uh, A researcher named Jacob Kremer, he's a specialist in the studies of Old Testament writings, old historical writings around the time of Christ. Um, This guy actually is a critic of the Bible. In other words, his whole purpose and goal in life is to disprove the Bible and its, its facts, its proof. And here's what he has to say about the resurrection. He says, by far... We can hold firmly to the reliability of the Bible's statement about the empty tomb. And he listed 28 other scholars who are not Jesus' followers who attest the same thing. Here's what I want to help you with today. In the day and age in the culture that we live in, we question everything. We've been taught to question everything from from our parents' love for us to where we live in our world and to the realities of is the Bible even factual or accurate. Here's what I want you to help just this morning, I hope for you, is to settle your heart in this place that what the Scripture records about Jesus and what the Scripture records about the early church, and what the Scripture records is accurate, not only accurate, but it is not accurate just according to biblical scholars, but according to extra-biblical scholars. People who actually don't even want to believe in God. But what we have is these amazing sources that have, that have told us that, that not only was Jesus real, but that the tomb was empty through all the historical documentation of it and all these things. And what it leads us to is, is a place and an opportunity for us. Because how many of you guys have ever wrestled with some of that in your life? Now, nobody ever wants to, to raise their hand. Yeah, I've, I've wondered if the Bible's like legit. Yeah, if you haven't, I would say you probably haven't dug into it very far. Because there's some crazy stuff in here, right? If you read this, there's some stuff that's just like, huh? And this story of Jesus' resurrection might be at the top of the heap. Here's the beauty of what we know. We know that not only was Jesus crucified and that he died, but then here's what we find from history, that he hung out with some folks afterwards. Now, I just want to tell you, if any of you get raised from the dead, you decide to go hang out with family and friends, would you just warn them a little bit before you get into that moment? Because here's what was going on with Jesus and the disciples, right? They wanted to believe, but they just had never seen anything like this before. They'd seen Lazarus be raised from the dead, and Jesus did that, but this, this whole thing of, around the, the Messiah, it was, it was something different for them. And we see a beautiful illustration of some of this questioning that was going on in the early church's heart. And, and here's why I want to just invite you to, to be okay with the fact that sometimes there's some things that we're wrestling through and questioning and wondering about And how many of you know God's okay with that? He doesn't get weird with that in our lives. And we know that because the early church was wrestling with some of the same things that probably many of us have wrestled through. Is this Easter story, is this Jesus thing even real? And Paul had some interesting things to encourage the early church with. So I want you to turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to bounce a little bit around in this passage. But here's how the early church was wrestling 
with the same thing that maybe you and I wrestle with sometimes when it comes to just this validity of Jesus being raised from the dead. And here's, here's what Paul was writing, and he was trying to speak very directly to the heart of a church, of a people that were wrestling with this question, did Jesus really raise from the dead? I mean, is this a real thing? And here's what he wrote to them. He said, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you to continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believed something else that was never true in the first place. What's he saying here? Hey, I preached to you this good news. You received it well into your life. Like when you heard the message of the good news of Jesus, that he died for you, that he paid for your sins, and that he rose from the grave victorious over it. He's speaking to the early church here. He's saying, you received that, you believed it, and he's saying, but there's been some wrestling that's happening in your life around this. And here's what he said, and I love the clarity that he brings in this moment. I passed on to you what was important and what had been passed on to me. How many of you know that you and I are sitting here today because somebody passed the good news of the gospel on? Somebody opened their mouth and said, hey, Jesus, he's the real deal. And you and I are sitting here today because of that very thing. And here's what it says. Here, here was the good news that was passed on. Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as scripture said. And here's the fun part. He was seen by Peter, then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of them who are still alive today. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born in the wrong time, this is Paul speaking, as though I'd been born in the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I am not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. This is Paul trying to help the early church, just like we're sitting here today, go, hey, this Jesus story, this reality of what you've heard about him, it's the real deal. And it's not real because I'm just telling you about it. It's real because there were eyewitnesses who experienced Jesus after he, would, he had died and rose from the dead. Can I just tell you, that's good news for us today. Because the early church was wrestling a little bit too. They were trying to figure out, what do we do with this? We didn't experience it personally, but we have other people who are telling us the story. And 2,000 years later, we're still sitting here talking about this risen Savior. Let me help you with something in perspective. We don't say that about Buddha. He didn't rise. We don't say that about Muhammad or any other world religion. The only faith that has a risen Savior is Christianity. The only faith. All the rest of them, their leaders or the ones that they would exalt or worship are dead and gone. Jesus rose from the dead. 
And that's what gives you and I an opportunity to gather here this morning and not worry about what is going on in our world today. I'm not saying it shouldn't be concerning to us. I'm not saying that we shouldn't look around and go, man, how can we impact the world and the people that are around us? But here's what I want you to know. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've believed the same thing that Paul was speaking to the early church. You've believed that Jesus went to the cross, died for you, rose from the dead, and has given you and I victory and hope for our future. Can I get an amen on that? Because here's what verse 20 says. But in fact, Christ has raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. What does that mean? That means someday we have the hope of raising eternally with him as well. Whether you die in this life or not, whatever the journey looks like, whether you believe in the rapture or not, whatever the time and age in which we believe, here's the hope that we have. Because Jesus rose from the dead, he promised us that we get to do the same thing. Can I just tell you, that's what makes Easter wonderful. That's what separates it from every other holiday in the world, is the fact that we're not celebrating an Easter bunny and eggs and all. We are celebrating the fact that there was a man that came to this world that died for our sins, went to the grave, and came out of it. He came out of it. And what that provides for you and I is the opportunity to leave Friday, Saturday, and the pain of Sunday morning and to look forward and go, man, we got something to celebrate, church. Whatever's going on in your life, the pain, the struggle, and believe me, you're going to feel it in this journey that we have hope for our future. So here's the reality for us today. Here's the reality. You either believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that he died for you, that he purchased for you eternal life and is giving you hope for the future, which seems crazy, or you believe that there is nothing that provides hope for you for your future. And I'm just going to tell you, that seems even crazier to me. This gospel, this message of the gospel that we believe, there's a reason why it's good news. Because it gives you and I an opportunity to walk away from the brokenness of our past and to experience the love of God being poured into our lives. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. The sheer volume of historical documentation that helps us to understand the context of what we're talking about this morning. This isn't just a, 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 a pipe dream for us, folks. This isn't just a, man, I hope, I hope Jesus, we know that he did. History proves that he did. The question today, listen to me, is what will you do with Jesus? I'm not talking to the person next to you. I'm asking you, what will you do with the good news of Jesus today? And many times we think of, of these Easter moments for us of being, okay, what, what will somebody who hasn't accepted Jesus as their Lord, what will they do with Jesus? No, 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 church. I'm speaking to those of you who have said, I want to follow Jesus. And I'm speaking to those of you who have maybe never even thought about following him. What will you do with him? Because here's the reality of it. Those that were followers of Jesus in this early time, in fact, 10 out of the 12 disciples, those that Jesus had originally called to be his followers, here's what the reality of the resurrection produced in their life. This is the most encouraging part of this message, so listen up. 
Those that chose to follow Jesus, those that were there with him when he died, and those that got to experience his resurrection, they began to live their lives in such a way after Jesus had left that 10 out of the 12 of them were killed for their faith. Welcome to Christianity. They were so convinced that this person, Jesus, and his message and what he brought to the world was so real. Listen to me. Nobody's going to die for somebody who didn't come out of the grave. Are you with me? None of them would do that. If they were still living out of the place in their life where they hadn't experienced seeing Jesus after he was raised from the dead, they weren't going to die for him. But the reality of it is, they did. History proves it to us. Here's what it looks like to follow Jesus. If we actually believe in the Easter message, if we actually believe that our, our Savior was resurrected from the dead, here's what it compelled them to do, to live their lives in such a way that they didn't care if they lived or died, they knew they were going to be with Him. Come on, are you with me, church? We don't see this a lot in our American culture, and I'm not picking on any of us. It's just what we've grown up in. And we have some growing up to do when it comes to this message of the gospel, because for them, it compelled them to live their life in such a way that from that day forward, they were going everywhere and talking with everyone that they could about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they, they had seen him after he had died. They saw the risen Savior. And it drove them to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Church family, what will you do with Jesus? Is he just a convenient story for us? Or is the message of the gospel changing the way that we live our lives? Is the message of the gospel not only penetrating our hearts and we're thankful for salvation, but is it changing the way that we live? Is it impacting our family and our neighbors? Is the power of the gospel, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is it being manifest in our lives? This is why I ask you, church, what will you do with Jesus? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and somebody invited you and you're like, hey, we're doing lunch afterwards. You have to come and do our church with me to get to lunch. And you're like, okay, whatever. Maybe that's why you're here today. Can I just say, that's okay. Maybe you've never even thought about believing in Jesus. Or maybe you like think that he is a good person, but you've never thought about the fact that not only was he an incredibly good person, but that he died for you. And not only did he die, but he raised from the dead so that you could have victory in your life. Maybe you've never processed that before in your life. Can I just tell you this morning is a great moment to pause for a second and say, what am I going to do with this Jesus? Because this is exactly what Jesus did with all of those who saw him after his resurrection. As he spent time with them, and Peter we're going to talk about next week, but he basically asked them this question, what are you going to do with me now? Because just a few days ago, you thought your world had ended. And now all of a sudden, they were willing to die for him. What does the good news mean to us today? Can I just tell you, it hasn't changed in its goodness. The very fact that you and I get to sit here today and even have the opportunity to have a conversation about this demonstrates the goodness of God to us. 
The very fact that we know that Jesus died and that he rose from the dead, history tells us that, should compel us into a place of saying, and here's what I would encourage you, every morning of your life that you get out of bed, what am I going to do with Jesus today? Am I going to keep him to me? Am I going to run and hide? Am I going to proclaim his goodness? Am I going to pray for my coworker who's sick? Am I going to help others find hope in him? There's so many options that we have with the person of Jesus. But as I was preparing for this this morning, I just felt like Jesus had a very simple invitation. What are you going to do with him in your life today? What are you going to do with him? How are you going to interact with this reality that there's a risen Savior? The early disciples wrestled with it. And again, I want to give you permission this morning. It's okay to wrestle a little bit. It's okay to ask some questions. Thomas, he wrestled a little bit. We always make fun of Thomas and we call people that don't have any faith, what do we call them? Doubting Thomas. You know what? I don't know that I would have been any different than him. Jesus walks in. I watched him die. And now all of a sudden he walks into a room and he's standing there with me. I think I might want to have said, Jesus, can I touch your hand and feet? Like, I, I, I need to know this is real. Because a few minutes ago, Jesus, my heart was broken. Because I thought all of this was just a joke. I thought I had believed in something that, that wasn't real, wasn't tangible. And Thomas says, I just, I need to touch you. Come on. As we take this journey that we are on in life, for those of you who don't know, you only get one go at it. As we take this journey in this life, on this Easter morning, on this resurrection day, I want this question to resonate inside of your heart, and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to do in you. What am I going to do with Jesus? What am I going to do with Him? For those of us that call ourselves followers of Him, how am I going to follow Him? Am I actually following Him? For those of you that are on this, this space and you're just here listening and kind of learning maybe for the, the first time about this incredible news, the question for you today is, what are you going to do with Him today? How do we respond to the good news of the gospel? Here's what I want you to know. It's the most freeing and liberating place when we say, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you were. And I put my hope and my trust in you. Here's the fun part about that. It doesn't doesn't fix everything in your life. It just gives you a whole new perspective when you're looking at this life. And today, I just sense the Holy Spirit inviting us into this moment to just be honest before Him. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up. As we process the things that we've talked a little bit about this morning, I'm, I wasn't here to convince you about Jesus. If, if you need proof of that, you can go and look at the historical spaces. But here's what I do want to invite you to do, to ask yourself the question, what am I going to do with Him? As I think about a wonderful meal that I get to go take part in with my family this afternoon is, yes, little kids are running around and they're going to come pouring out of there with all kinds of candy. You're welcome. <laughs> Easter eggs galore. All of those things are fun and, and it's okay to, to have some fun around those spaces. But, but, I, but I can't help but to ask us today, what are, what are we going to do with him? And here's where I settled at this morning and really this week as I was thinking through this, this space. What am I going to do with Jesus? I'm going to thank him and follow him. 
I'm going to thank him. When Jesus sat with the disciples right after he had died, rose from the dead, and he was giving them proof of who he was, he invited them into some pretty special moments with him. I just believe the Lord wants to do the same with us this morning. Jesus didn't force them. He didn't look at them and say, oh, you of little faith. That's not the conversation. He had that conversation with a few other folks. But in that moment of their their brokenness, here's what Jesus understood. He understood that for them, they thought he was done and gone. They thought they had believed a lie. And he came to them in such a beautiful way to say, hey, no, your, your faith was placed in the right space. Now go tell others about who I am. And that was their response. There was a thankfulness that began to rise out of them. And not only a thankfulness, but they began to live their lives on a mission that gave them incredible purpose to every day of their life. Here's what I want to invite you to this morning. It's just a simple conversation with Jesus. Maybe you are here today and you've never even thought about having a conversation with God. Oftentimes in church world, we make prayer and conversation with him, this really complicated thing. Can I just tell you, there's nothing complicated about it at all. You just stop for a moment and just begin to have a conversation with him, just like you would have a conversation with anybody else. And our conversations are oriented around this space. Jesus, I don't know quite yet what to do with you, but I want to start the conversation. And he comes right to those moments and he just sits with you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're recognizing, no, I, I need to make a shift in my life. And that conversation is more oriented around Jesus. I recognize that you are the savior of the world and I'm a sinner and I need your help. Would you forgive me? Would you wash me of my sin? Here's what Jesus says, come on in. Maybe there's some of us that are sitting here today that have been following him or think we've been following him for some time. Jesus is just inviting us here this morning to just recalibrate our lives around what am I going to do with you in my life today, Jesus? Maybe he has some new assignments for you in your journey. Maybe he just wants to remind you of his nearness and closeness to you. I don't know what it is, but here's the wonderful thing about Jesus. He comes to us in these moments and he presents himself to us in the way that he knows that we need him. Whatever that looks like for you in your life, I just want to invite you to that place today. Some of you might be sitting here going, why is he sitting at this big crazy table? Because we've been in a series talking about this very moment right here where Jesus sat down and had a meal with people. He connected with them in their brokenness, and in all the messed up spaces of their life. Tax collectors, religious Pharisees who thought they had it all together, prostitutes, all of these folks Jesus just invited to come and have a meal with. And I just want you to know today, Jesus is not expecting you to get all cleaned up and prepped to come and sit at his table. He's just inviting you to come. Just how you are. He'll take care of all the rest. He just wants to have a conversation. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.